0: To the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, certified life coach and grief specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 72 Personal Boundaries. Have you registered for the Healing Body, Mind, and Spirit webinar yet? If you're serious, if you're really serious about finding hope and healing, this webinar is for you. This is who it's meant for. It's meant for you. You're going to learn what happens when you grieve, what to watch out for so you don't stay in grief forever, and you're going to learn what to do so you can head in the right direction. So you can set yourself up for happiness in the future and even experience happiness right now, even in your grief even in your grief. And if you think that this webinar is just going to be a regurgitation of what we've talked about on the podcast, you may hear some familiar things, but it's going to be new, new things, new education, new information for you, new help. I hope you'll join us. You can find that link to get your ticket for that webinar. It's happening on March 3rd. It's happening right away probably less than a week from when you're listening to this podcast. I think it's like six days from when you're listening to this podcast is when that's going to happen. It's your last opportunity to get the ticket. So go to the link that's in the show notes and get yourself registered. Awesome. We'll see you there. A lot of people start podcasts, Facebook pages, Instagram accounts, etc. They start a Facebook group, something, a blog. They start those things while they are in grief, and they start it to help themselves and then give themselves an outlet for their grief sometimes they even do it as a distraction something to do to help them feel better because they are, they are helping people and i can appreciate all of that i think it's great i really can appreciate that but when you're in the middle of grief it's easy to feel like it will never end that you will never feel feel good again that you will always feel bad forever you just can't even imagine feeling better. I completely remember feeling that way. I would lay awake at night crying in agony because Carrie and David were gone and because it was my fault. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't heard my story, you can listen to my story on episode one of the podcast or read a little bit about it on the website, which is build a life dot com. But I could not imagine during that time how my shattered world was going to come together. I had no idea how it was going to come back together in any semblance of what you might think is normal, much less happy. I I just could not even imagine surviving, much less thriving. So I get the feeling. I get the feeling like you can't breathe and you can't move forward and everything is lost. But I have done the work of recovery. I also know what it's like to heal. I know what it's like to pivot and live a different life than you even imagined. Lived a, live a different life than you planned. But a wonderful life all the same. I couldn't just ignore my pain and my grief. I had to go through it. And you will have to go through it. And I had to get to the other side to really experience life again and living again. So many times people will say to me, doing the podcast must be so healing. But I want to tell you that I was in a really, really good place before I started the podcast. I never expected to be posting or podcasting or, or speaking about my experience. I never expected that. It was not in my plan, but my purpose found me. And so here I am. And my greatest, most important desire is that I inspire you in some small way to believe in yourself, to believe that you can heal too. I don't care if it's been two years or it's been 20 years. Healing is available to you. And that is my purpose is to bring that message to you. And I don't want you to compare where I am with where you are. That's not useful. Wherever you are right now, right this very moment is exactly where you're supposed to be right now. How do I know that? Because it is where you are right now. So it's exactly where you're supposed to be. But then you have to have to make a decision. Where are you headed in the future? Where do you want to be in the future? Do you want to be where you are right now, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? Or do you want to hope for a better future? Do you want to hope for better days? Can I help you move toward the future you want? Why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because I want you to be so cautious of who you're listening to. Really, really cautious. Who you're listening to on Instagram, who you're listening to on Facebook, podcasts, YouTube, blogs, wherever it is you're going, be really, really cautious. It can be hard enough to hold on to hope when you're in a bad place. Don't add outside voices that wrongly tell you that you can't heal or to tell you don't expect to heal or any other variation of that. Okay, I'm off the soapbox. I don't know why somebody out there, you needed to hear this message. You needed to understand and, and really look at what you're, you're viewing, what you're listening to, because I felt compelled to tell you that at the beginning of this episode. So you needed to hear it apparently. So let's talk about boundaries. Many times standards, requests, and boundaries get confused. I'm going to start with standards. Let's talk about standards first. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this right after talking about self-care is because when we don't have personal standards, our self-care can evaporate, evaporate. Sometimes I don't get my words out right, do I? Your personal standards can evaporate. Your personal standards of self-care can evaporate if, if you're not careful. And that's why I wanted to talk about this right after I talked about self-care. What are your personal standards? We all have standard behaviors, which are mostly habit. They're mostly habit, but habits can be formed. With tiny, small steps, new habits can be formed if we don't like the habits that we're in right now. Some people wouldn't consider going through their day without an hour at the gym. That's a personal, that's their personal standard. Most people won't leave the house without brushing their teeth. That's a personal standard that's likely a personal standard that you hold. What are your non-negotiables? What are your personal standards? I'm going to guess getting dressed before going out in public is a non-negotiable That is a personal standard. You wouldn't even think about leaving the house without clothes on i you know sometimes that shows up in a dream where we in a dream where we show up at school or at the grocery store, we show up somewhere naked. <laughs> and I I got curious about that when I was thinking about that. And I I looked at what that means. And I got this from dreammoods.com. Becoming mortified at the realization that you are naked in public, this is of course in a dream, reflects your vulnerability or feelings of shamefulness. You may be hiding something or are afraid that others can see right through you. Metaphorically, clothes are a means of concealment. Nudity also symbolizes being caught off guard. Okay. Speaking of off guard, I'm off topic, but I just was so curious. I had to look it up and share with you. What does it mean when we dream that we're naked? And that's what I found out. What are other of your non-negotiables? What are other personal standards? What do you do every day without fail? Is your personal standard as high as you would like it to be? What do you want to be doing every day without fail? If you haven't already, listen to episode 71, Self-Care. For well-being, necessities include food, water, sleep, and proper shelter. Ask yourself, am I getting the right foods for me? Am I drinking enough water? Am I getting enough sleep? Are my living conditions adequate? Some of these things are things that drop off when we're in grief. Our eating becomes sporadic and irregular. We we don't drink enough water. We don't get enough sleep. But all those things, food, water, sleep, all those things promote healing. So think about how those necessities are showing up in your life. How do you feel about your answers to those questions about whether or not you're eating the right foods or drinking enough water or getting enough sleep? If these things aren't happening, why? Why are they not happening? Is it because of an outside distraction or demands from other people in your life? Food, water, sleep, shelter, these are all necessities their necessities. These are the basics. Think about what your standards are in those areas and where you might want to raise your standards. Where do you want to raise your standards? When you have firm personal standards, then it's easier to have proper boundaries, which we'll get to in just a minute. When you have a personal standard, you're less likely to say yes to things that interfere with your standards and values. Saying no is an art. It is an art. I I you really do have to think through the process of saying no before you even have to deal with it. I mean, I've worked with clients before that really struggle with saying no. And so they have no no I want to say boundaries, but I'm going to talk about what boundaries are, but they have no personal standards because they're allowing everything on the outside whatever is requested of them, they say yes to. Typically, when we say no, we feel like we need to give a long explanation. And this is one of the first things that I will help people with. They think that they have to give a long explanation and try to convince the other person that their excuse for not, for not giving up their time or their money or whatever is being requested is valid. They're trying to, they're trying to convince them that their reason for saying no is valid. You know why it's really valid? Because you decided to say no. That's it. Period. The end. It's valid because you decided to say no. Practice saying no without long explanations. I want you to imagine yourself. If there's a, if there's a certain thing that's often requested of you and you really want to say no, I want you to think about, I want you to see that whole scenario Role play that whole scenario in your mind and see yourself saying no without any explanation. The explanations get us in trouble. They actually, I think they actually cue the other person in or to the idea that we're not firm in our no, because we're giving explanations as if, if you can poke holes in these explanations, then maybe I'll, maybe I am a yes. It gives the other person ammunition to convince us to say yes, despite our personal standards. Oh, years ago, I, I just had, I want to say it was right after David was born, and he was my sixth, and I was homeschooling my kids. And my son, my, my older son, my oldest son was, oh, how old was he? Eight at the time, I want to say. And he was in Cub Scouts. And he loved Cub Scouts. He really enjoyed it. Well, one of the moms that was on the Cub Scout committee had decided that all the parents, and this is reasonable. I mean, I get it. She had decided that all the parents needed to have a volunteer role in Cub Scouts. They needed to have some assignment. So she called me and mind you, my baby was three months old at the most. I was homeschooling six children and my husband was traveling a ton with his job. So I didn't, I couldn't just leave the kids at home and, and go do things. I I had all the kids with me all the time. I didn't have my husband home to watch the kids or any of that. So she calls me and she says, so we've decided as a Cub Scout committee that each of the parents need an assignment. And your assignment is to pick up the awards every month for our Cub Pack meeting. If you're not familiar with Cub Scouts, they they earn badges, they earn pins, they earn belt loop things. I don't even remember what they called them. <laughs> but they that they earn these little awards and the awards when the, ki- the kids learn earn the awards, the awards have to be picked up at the Scout shop for the Pack meeting, which is where they give out the awards, where they honor the kids and give out the awards. Now, I get it. I, I totally understood that in order for an organization like that to operate, you've got to have volunteers. But the timing was horrible for me. And in fact, just the day before, I had made up my mind that I was going to say no to any more requests of my time because I was... I was using my time the way I wanted to use it. And there was nothing else that I wanted to add to my schedule. I had a nursing baby. My priority was homeschooling my kids and taking care of that baby. And especially with my husband being gone, that was my priority. I was the person there and I wanted to, that was my priority. So when she called and made this request, I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm not able to do that. But then of course I could not stop there. I didn't just say, no, I'm sorry. I won't be able to do that. I went on and said, I can't do that because I'm homeschooling. Well, that's no problem. And she, she had an, a reason why that wasn't a problem for me. And then I would say, well, I can't do that because my husband travels all the time and I'm just not available. And again, she had a reason why it was still valid for me to do this. And you know what ended up happening? I, to this day, I'm still like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I ended up saying yes. And then you know what happened after that? I did a horrible job. I did not get my job done. I didn't get the award count in time. I didn't get to the scout shop in time. I did a terrible job because I already knew. I already knew what my personal standard was. And yet instead of just saying no, understanding what my personal standard was, instead of just saying no, I allowed myself to be talked into it. So if nothing else, let that story be an example of what not to do. Because once you've set a standard, there's a reason that you've set that standard. So hold to it. Now let's look at requests. A request looks something like asking your husband or wife if they'll do the dishes after you cook dinner or telling your mother-in-law you'd prefer she didn't discipline your kids when you're around, or asking your sister to please not drop by every afternoon after school. These are requests. They're requests and they're valid. And we make requests because we want them to be followed. But we can make requests all day long. We can ask people to show up in a certain way. And our family and friends can choose to honor our request or not. And we don't have any control over that. They get to decide. They get to decide what they're going to do. Then you get to decide how you're going to respond if they don't comply to your request. Remember that it's invalid to feel like you have control over how another adult behaves. You don't have control over that at all. So it's best you have influence. I will say that like you do have influence but you don't have control. So it's best if you can detach yourself from the outcome. So you can make the request, you can tell people what you like, you can tell people what you don't like, but then they get to decide. And being upset about it if they don't agree with you is futile. But it's not easy. It certainly is not easy to, det- to detach from the result. This takes work. But remember, Love always wins. If love always wins, what does it look like when something doesn't go your way? Do you show up with love? It's work. It's work to show up with love when you're disappointed, when you feel like what you've requested was, was reasonable and it wasn't honored. It's work, but it's worth the work to figure out how to stay in love not in the romantic sense of in love, but how to stay in that space of love, even when your requests have not been honored. It's also important to not make it mean anything. Oh, I used to be infamous for doing this. If if I made a request and that request wasn't honored, that request wasn't fulfilled, I made it mean something. I made it mean something about me they must not love me. They don't care about me. I'm not important. Gosh, can you see the horrible rabbit hole that is? Don't make it mean anything. It doesn't mean anything except that they chose not to do it. That's it. Don't create a story around it, an unnecessary, painful story around it. So we've talked about personal standards. We've talked about requests. So what are boundaries? Boundaries are when you make a firm statement about what you will and won't tolerate and what the consequences are if they cross the line, if the boundary is crossed. What are the consequences? What are you going to do? A boundary is what we have with a thief, for example. And you don't even have to say it. It's not like you greet a thief at the door and you say, hey, this is my boundary. The boundary is implied, right? So if you walk into my house, so you're essentially, this implied boundary is basically saying, if you walk into my house and try to steal my stuff, I'm calling the pe- police and I'm pressing charges and you're going to jail. That's the boundary. And you mean it. You are you are going to do it. But here are some other boundaries that you, uh, other examples, I should say, of boundaries. Because you, <laughs> You may or may not ever have to, to say such a thing, but a boundary would sound something like, uh, for with a spouse, for example, it would sound something like, specifically an abusive spouse, it would sound something like, if this abuse happens one more time, I'm walking out and never coming back. Or less serious would be, if you continue to drive 30 miles over the speed limit, I will never get in the car with you again. Both of those things are safety issues. Boundaries really has to do with safety. Another example, if you verbally abuse me when you come to my house, you will no longer be allowed to come over. In all of those examples, the boundaries are clear, there are clear standards with clear consequences. So this last one, if you verbally abuse me, if you have, for example, if you have someone coming over your house every day and they're just like berating you and yelling at you every single day, you don't want them in your space anymore. So you set a clear boundary and you say, if you verbally abuse me when you come to my house, so the next time this happens, you will no longer be allowed to come over. So there's a clear standard, a clear boundary, and a clear consequence If you do this, this is going to happen. And this next piece is so key. The consequent has to be something that you're willing and ready to enforce. So if you say to somebody, if you come over here, verbally abuse me, when they walk in the door the next time and they start yelling at you and calling your name, calling you names or whatever else happens, you usher them out the door and you never open the door to them again. Okay, that might sound harsh, but boundaries, these type of boundaries are really set in place for safety. And these situations are not safe. If you have a spouse that's abusive, it's not safe. And so you have to draw the line and say. I will no longer be abused. I'm walking out. I'm never coming back. If you're getting in the car with somebody that's going twice the speed limit every time you jump in the car with them, it's not safe. So you have, you set a boundary. You say, if this continues, if this happens one more time, I will never get in the car with you again. These are clear standards with clear consequences. A request, on the other hand, is just something that you would like to have happen. You request it and it may or may not happen. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, they're not safety issues. It's not the end of the world. It's not personally harming to you if it doesn't happen. Whereas a boundary is a firm, non-negotiable declaration with specific consequences that, again, you are willing to enforce. A boundary doesn't exist if you say, if this happens, I'm gonna do this, and it happens and you don't do it then the boundary is gone a boundary is actually seldom necessary personal standards that protect your well-being those standards that you hold for yourself that that protect your health and your well-being and requests that you make those kinds of things happen on a daily basis but boundaries are seldom necessary they they are clear And I can't make this, I can't make this clear enough. There are clear expectations that if the line is crossed, the consequences are this and you are severing that experience so that you can stay, stay safe. All three, all three personal standards, requests and boundaries, all of them are important. And consider how you are using these three in your life. Have you been confusing requests and boundaries. Have you been intentional about your personal standards of care? When you do have to set a boundary, are you following through with the consequence if the boundary is crossed? Remember this as you journey with grief. In grief, in grief, you need more time and space to honor your grief. You cannot continue the same schedule that you man- maintained before your grief. You must create space for it you must create support for it. So create personal standards and hold to them. Make requests for help and support and declare boundaries when it's necessary. Holding to personal standards, making requests and declaring boundaries can all be done with love and respect. Never forget that. Even boundaries where you have to say, if you continue to do this, this is happening and you have to sever ties or you have to sever that, that contact for a time or a season or forever. All of it can be done with love and respect. Let's talk about personal standards. For example, if you have a standard that you go to the gym for an hour a day and someone asks for your time during your appointment with yourself during your regular gym time, do you honor your commitment to yourself or do you allow the interruption? If you allow the interruption, be sure you like your reason why. Sometimes interruptions just happen, and we do change what we're doing in order to accommodate something. But make sure you like the reason why. Are you doing it just purely out of the expectation of another person and this desire for them to, you know, it's people pleasing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's almost funny to me how we honor our commitment to be at work, for example, but we don't honor our commitment to ourselves. So if you've had made an appointment with your family or with yourself, honor it as if you are at work. Put it on your schedule. And if someone asks you to do something else, let them know you have an appointment and you can't make it. Simple as that. It sounds simple, doesn't it? (laughs) Sometimes it's not as simple as it sounds. When you hear people talk about personal boundaries, remember these three levels of engagement, personal standards, requests, and boundaries. Know the difference and think about the difference. You're here because you are looking for some help for your grief and healing. And I've got just the thing for you. The Healing Body, Mind, and Spirit webinar is happening next Tuesday. When you're listening to this, if you're listening to this the week that it comes out, it is next Tuesday, March 3rd. This is the last announcement on the podcast, so get your ticket now. The link is in the show notes. Also, remember your support needs to be equal to your challenge. As a grief coach, this is what I do. I support you as you navigate your grief. I give you specific instructions and support so you can start to rebuild what it is you truly want in life, even being happy. I will support you in that. Go to buildalifeafterloss.com to schedule a time for us to talk. Don't delay. Do it today. Thanks for joining me today. I'd love to hear from you. What's going on? What questions do you have? Let me know at julie at com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app so you'll get all the episodes and leave us a review. Remember, I believe in you. Talk to you next week.